that I am the vine and you are the you are the branches. But in verse 12, he gives a commandment. And then I think a very challenging statement in verse 13. So just look in your Bible or read on the overhead these two verses, John 15, verse 12 and 13. If you'll go, Chris, to that passage. This is my commandment, that you love one another even as I have loved you. Now listen to verse 13. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for those who have laid down their lives for us. Thank you, Father, for your Son. Lord, we know that in laying down his life for us, he has given us eternal life. And Father, as we remember those that have fought battles so that our nation could be free, may we be reminded of your son that died that we would be set free from sin. And Father, I pray that you would challenge each of us to lay down our lives for you, for your kingdom's work. God, help us to see a nation that is in dire need of putting God first again. In a nation that is in dire need of the church standing tall and not compromising or becoming unconcerned, but God help us that our goal would be to give our all for you. Father, thank you again that you've called us to love not only our fellow Christians, but the entire world. And God, may we do that also. Lord, please speak in these moments for we ask in Christ's name. Amen. It dawned on me this week that many have died in the last 240 or more years for you and for me, people in this nation. I'd never really sat down and looked up information on Memorial Day. So I googled Memorial Day, and basically this is what I found, a day on which those who died in active military service are remembered, traditionally observed on May the 30th, but now officially observed on the last Monday in May. And Google also had some information from Wikipedia. I'm trying to step up into the modern age, okay, y'all? So I read on. The beginning of Memorial Day started after the Civil War. It was started to commemorate the Union and Confederate soldiers who had died in the Civil War. PBS, or Public Broadcasting, says that the first widely observance of Memorial Day was on May the 30th, 1868. So for almost 150 years, this has been celebrated. It was originally called Decoration Day. Now, folks, again, I was out of contact with what this holiday meant. And it makes sense now if it was originally called Decoration Day that probably if you ride around tomorrow, you're going to see many American flags. And if you are out at any cemetery, that there will be many graves that have flags on them. Because it, again tells us that these soldiers served in the military. Memorial Day was declared a national holiday in the United States by Congress on 1971. 
And just an additional note, Memorial Day is not to be confused with Veterans Day in November. Memorial Day celebrates the soldiers that have died for our country. Veterans Day celebrates the service of all United States military veterans. But sadly, and I'm guilty of this, Sadly, many in our country today don't understand what Memorial Day means. And for many, it only means the start of summer vacation season and then Labor Day is marking the end of the summer vacation season. What am I trying to say in bringing all this up? Untold hundreds of thousands have died so that you and I could live in a free nation. I want to tell you another story. Many of you might remember Ann Williams. Ann was a very faithful member of Oak Grove United Methodist Church. And after I first moved to Roxboro, I had opportunity to meet her and her husband, Lacey. Ann was a very sick woman. She had a heart condition that I cannot remember what, what it was, but... Anne's heart was continually getting weaker and weaker, and if I'm remembering right, she was probably just in her 40s, and she was waiting on a heart transplant. It was a privilege to go visit her because she was always so upbeat and so positive, and she always would let you know that her faith was in Christ. And I remember one of the last visits that I made to Anne. She was at North Carolina Memorial Hospital, and this was, again, over 30 years ago. There's been many more buildings constructed and many more hospitals put up at North Carolina Memorial Hospital. But at that point, Ann's room was in the old hospital, and it was facing the front of the hospital. You could literally look out of her window and see in the front of the hospital. Well, in the very front of the hospital at that time was a heliport. And so every time that the helicopter came in or went out, Ann could see it. And if these aren't her exact words, these are words that she spoke to me to the best of my memory. Anne said that every time that the helicopter went out, she wondered if it was going to pick up a heart for her. And then she said something that at first kind of baffled me. She said, it saddens me because I know that for me to get a new heart... Someone must die. And then she said this. Then I realized that someone died centuries ago to give me a new heart and eternal life. And that was my Savior, Jesus Christ. I've never been able to forget those words. Because you see, Anne died before they were ever able to get a heart that was compatible with her body. She died of heart disease, but she died with a new heart in Jesus Christ. Folks, what I hope you will get out of this message are these three things, okay? Number one, be thankful for a free country that we live in. Free because, as the song says, God keeps shedding his grace on us. Free because men and women throughout the centuries have served and died that you and I might be a free nation under God.
And that is why at the 830 service, we did the Pledge of Allegiance. Would you guys mind doing that now? Can we stand and pledge allegiance? Feel like you're back at Vacation Bible School, don't you? Attention, salute, pledge. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Please be seated. So first of all, I want us to understand that we need to be thankful for the free country we live in. Secondly, 2,000 years ago, the Son of God gave his life and shed his blood that we might be free from the bondage and the penalty of sin. And I would remind you again that sin has its bondage and sin has its penalty. Paul says in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. But Jesus on that cross gave you and I spiritual freedom and spiritual life. And he did that by laying down his life for us. Jesus expresses that. Let me read these two verses to you out of John chapter 10, verses 17 and 18. I want to read these out of the Living Bible. Please notice, I think it's at least three times that Jesus says that he has laid down his life. Listen to this. The Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it back again. No one can kill me without my consent. I lay my life down I laid down my life voluntarily. Before you go to the next frame, Chris, hold on just a second. Do you and I understand that Jesus voluntarily left heaven and came to the earth and gave himself for us? He really did. And here he is expressing that. As we on Wednesday nights have been studying the gospel of Luke and as we've gotten into chapter 23 now, after six trials, Jesus is getting ready to be sentenced to death and put on a cross. And he doesn't argue. He does not fight. He knows this has been his mission to lay down his life for us. And he does. Now listen to the last part of verse 18. For I have the right and power to lay it down when I want to and also the right and power to take it again. For the Father has given me this right. So thank God for the freedom we have as a nation and as, as people of America Thank God for the spiritual freedom and the eternal life that Jesus has given unto us. And here's the third thing that I want you to gather from this message. I want to challenge you and me, our church, to lay down our lives for Christ. And I want to explain what I mean by that, okay? Jesus literally laid down his life for us at the cross. Since the birth of our nation, hundreds of thousands have died for this country, both here on American soil and on foreign soil. And here's the challenge that I think you and I need today. Would you and I lay down our lives for Christ? Now, folks, many Christians in other parts of the world are literally being put to death or being persecuted for their faith in Christ. I am told and I understand that one of the goals of radical Islamists is to kill all infidels, those who do not believe in, in, in Muhammad and the Koran, all those that follow any other religions except the Islamic religion are considered to be infidels, and they are to be put to death. And, folks, to be quite honest with you, I pray 
that you or me or our children or grandchildren will not be slain by these terrorists. And, and folks, I think that one of the sides of this, what Jesus talked about in laying down our life for him, is what I'm getting ready to explain to you. Is Jesus talked about literally giving our lives for him, perhaps. But folks, I think there's other ways that we give our lives to him. We lay our, our lives down for Christ. And I want to mention those, okay? First of all, laying down our life for Christ means death to self and fully giving ourselves to Jesus. You know, so often as Christians, we, we don't take serious the demands that Jesus has upon his disciples. Let me read one passage of scripture that tells us about those demands in Luke chapter 9, verses 23 to 26. Just listen and hear what Jesus says. And he said to all, to all, not just the 12, but he said to all, if any man would come after me, let him deny himself. Folks, I know I can stand in this pulpit and tell you what's wrong. I want you to know how we can fix this. We've got to stop being a world that is so focused on ourselves. And we've got to get focused on Christ. And the only way that we can fully and totally serve Jesus is to deny ourselves. That is to die to self. Put Jesus Christ first and his will for our lives and not ourselves. And the second thing Jesus said, take up his cross daily. Folks, the cross is not just any heavy burden that we carry, but the cross was an instrument of death. And folks, here I believe the Lord is not just talking about dying physically, but he's talking about dying spiritually within ourselves. We die to what we want to do with our life. We die with wanting to become the persons that we want to be, and we desire to become what Jesus wants us to be. We take up our cross daily, daily, and we follow him. And listen to what Jesus says. He's explaining for whoever would save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. If you will, Chris, go to the next verse. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. And folks... Let me carry these verses a little bit farther, okay? Let me read to you some passages from the Apostle Paul about death to self and giving ourselves completely over to Jesus. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. In that passage of Scripture, chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians, probably the verse that we know the best is verse 17, where Paul says, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is past, the new has come. But listen to these two words, these two verses before that verse. For the love of Christ controls us. You know, the only way we can obey the commandment in John chapter 15, where Jesus said, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you, is to heed this. For the love of Christ controls us. Is the love of Christ controlling us? And listen to what else he says, because we are convinced that one has died for all, therefore all have died. 
Folks, when you and I became a believer, that old sinful nature that was dominating us, that was leading us and driving us and consuming us, it died. And the only way that we can fall back into that is when we stop surrendering ourselves to Christ. But listen to verse 15. He, Jesus, died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Jesus died so that you and I could be under new management, and that is management of the Heavenly Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. And folks, it should be our goal to live not for ourselves, but to live for Him. And folks, perhaps some of you are saying, well, boy, that doesn't sound like a very exciting life. But I want to tell you, when you're free from sin and when you're in right relationship with God, there's a joy. Remember in John 15, Jesus talked about how He wanted His joy to be in us. And folks, when we're surrendered to the Lord Jesus, when we're denying self, then that's when we really begin to live. And folks, listen to this next passage of Scripture, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. And I know I read this often, but listen to what Paul says. I have been crucified with Christ. If you are crucified, you're put to death. Does this mean Paul is literally saying that he has been put to death physically? No, that's not what it means. But he says, I have been put to death spiritually with Christ. And you know what happens when we're crucified with Christ? Look at that next phrase. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Folks, is it important that we die to self and fully give our lives to Jesus? Let me give you some more scripture, okay? Listen to Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 through 10. And this is going to begin kind of strange. Paul says, put to death. Now, again, anytime we think about somebody dying, we think about somebody no longer existing. But what Paul is talking about is our spiritual body. As Christians, as believers, as followers of Christ... And he's going he's gonna to name off a list of things that as Christians, you and I should put to death. You and I, that is, we should die to sin's control and Satan's control and live under the control of Christ that Paul has just mentioned in 2 Corinthians 5.14. And listen to these things we are to put to death. You ain't going to like it, okay? All right? But here's what he says. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. And folks, I said this in the 830 service. is not in the notes. And I'm praying that any time I say something outside of these notes, God wanted me to add that in. And I, again, i got to be real careful in saying this because I don't want you to think I'm a doomsday preacher. But I believe the raft of God is getting ready to fall upon the United States unless we repent of sin and turn back to him. And I'm not saying that he's going to destroy this great nation, but I'm saying he's going to let this nation, you know, so often if we're just absolutely rebellious against God, he says, okay, if that's the path you want to take, you go ahead. And the results are going to be the consequences of your rebellion against me. And folks, I believe we're already seeing that. We're seeing a nation of lawlessness. We're seeing a nation that no longer has room for God. The only time they want people to pray is when some tragedy happens. It, it, it makes me 
get so upset for, for some tragedy to happen, and then they say, well, we need to ask people in the country to pray, or our prayers go out to you. We stop children from praying at school, but we want somebody to pray when there's a natural disaster. And this is a whole nother sermon, folks. Our nation is going to be under the judgment of God if we don't soon turn back. Let me get back on track. Verse 7. And here's one of the reasons you gotta, we gotta put these things to death. And these you once walked when you lived in them. And he's gonna add a few more. Listen to this. Verse 8. But now put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and foul talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old nature with its practices and have put on the new nature, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Now, I've got these out of order, but I want to go back now and read what Paul says in verse 3, Colossians 3.3. Listen to this. For you have died, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When you and I trusted Christ as our personal Savior, the control of sin was taken away by the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are the ones who make the decision to engage again in sin and let sin begin to weaken our walk with the Lord. And so it's so very important that we understand we need to lay down our life to give ourselves completely over to Christ. So death itself and fully giving ourselves over to Jesus And there's a second way that we can lay down our lives for the Lord. And that is enlisting and volunteering for the Lord's army. Do you and I realize that the Lord's got an army? Do you and I realize that God wants us involved in that army? Listen to John 10, 18. Jesus says, no one takes it for me, but I lay it down of my own accord. We must volunteer And folks, will we be God's volunteers for service? How long will it take for the church, how long will it take for you and I as Christians to rise up and say, enough, enough. Our world needs to turn back to Jesus Christ and I'll join his army. There's one passage of scripture that I want to remind you of, and that is found in 1 Samuel chapter 17. The context of this is that Israel has gone to battle But the forces of the Philistines have a giant, Goliath. All of us know this story. We've probably heard it from our childhood. And for, I forget, I believe it's 40 days, the the Philistine has come out, Goliath, and he's greater and bigger than any of the rest of the army of Israel. And he has defied them. He has blasphemed God. And young David is sent by his father to deliver supplies to his brothers that are serving in Saul's army. I'm going to read the first part of verse 26, but I don't think that David was going there as a mercenary to get paid to serve. But listen to what he says. David said to the men who stood by him, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? Folks, he is saying this guy's got to be killed because he's not only reproaching Israel, but he is defying the living God. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that should defy the armies of the living God? And listen, fast forwarding in verse uh, 32. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him your servant will go and fight with the Philistine. David said, enough, enough. God will deliver us. 
Folks, as a church, you and I must acknowledge that our God is greater than anything that's going on in the world, although it seems as if Satan has control right now, doesn't it? But Jesus wants us to know that we can enter into his army and be victorious. And folks, we must acknowledge that we're called to be in the army of the Lord. Let me just give you several passages of Scripture. I won't read the one out of Ephesians except for the first couple of verses. If you'll go up to that, Chris. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. And Paul talks about putting on spiritual armor. Listen to this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. If we are not in a battle, why is God issuing armor to us? And I would encourage you to read those pieces of armor. Listen to what Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what that you have heard from me before many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will share it, who will be able to teach it also to others. Now listen to verse 3. Look at this verse. Share in sufferings as a good, what? Soldier of Jesus Christ. And look at 2 Timothy 4, 7. So often if a person's been faithful in the Lord's work, we share this verse at funerals. Listen to this. I have fought the good fight. And folks, it is not a physical fight that we are in, but a spiritual fight. And folks, he says, I have finished the race. Being in the Lord's army is not a one-day scrimmage, but a lifelong surrender of ourselves to Christ. And he says, I have kept the faith. I have kept the faith. Have you ever wondered, well, how long will I faithfully follow Christ? And folks, there's going to be temptations every day to just say, well, look, we're losing the battle. People are going to be mean and terrible and sinful. This world's not going to get any better. That's the attitude Satan wants us to have. Because if we take that attitude, we won't lay our lives down for the Lord. We'll pick it back up and say, Lord, I'm going to go my way and do my thing. And here's the conclusion. How will we win this battle? I want to give you six things, okay? And I'm just going to quickly mention them. Number one, always remember that Christ has already won the battle by his cross and his resurrection. And he has sent the Holy Spirit in us. We cannot win this battle through our wisdom, our might, or our courage, but by the power of Christ living in us. Secondly, let the love of Christ guide us in all these things. Love others in Jesus' name, even our greatest enemies. Number three, we must forsake our personal sins and serve others. Remember, Paul says in Colossians, put to death. Folks, there needs to be repentance in my life and your life and anything that stops us from serving the Lord completely and totally. Number four, we need to put on the whole armor of God that we may stand. Number five, we need to be steadfast. Because as Paul says in 2 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight, knowing that in the Lord our labor is not in vain. Folks, sometimes... I get so frustrated and think, well, Lord, we're not seeing people say, we're not seeing people joining the church, we're having struggle keeping attendance the way it should be. But folks, 
If we're faithful to the Lord, He is bringing in the harvest. Stop looking at what we can see right now. Concentrate on what God is doing in our midst and in our hearts if we're obedient to Him. I'm praying that a great revival is going to come in our country and in our world. And I pray that it will. But the church must be steadfast. And finally, and I want you to hear this if you hadn't heard the other, the other five. Keep looking up. Our Lord's coming back and he's going to carry us home. And you might say, well, you just saying that. No, I'm just telling you what he said. He said, I'm coming back. I'm going to take you to where I am so that you may be also. Folks, the battle's already won at Calvary. We're just seeing some of the skirmishes that, that the devil is trying to inflict upon this world. Thank God today for our freedom as a nation and for those who laid down their lives. Thank God most of all for his son who has given us eternal life and who is living in us and with us. And may we lay down our lives for his kingdom. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for, Lord, for all that you do for us, most of all for eternal life in your Son. God, sometimes we become so distraught and so discouraged and even frustrated. God, why is the world the way it is? But yet, Lord, help us to see it's because of sin and the result of sin. It's because of rebellion against God. But thank you, Lord, that you have saved us and called us to serve you. Thank you that you've created many churches, not only in our country, but around the world. And I pray, Father, that, Lord, you would just wake us up and revive us. And, God, we would tell once again the story of the Savior who left heaven and laid down his life for us. God, strengthen us so that on a day-to-day basis we will deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow you daily. And God, give us the faith needed, Lord, to, to cast away our doubt and our fear and our frustration. And Lord, as you commanded those disciples in John 15 where we got started, help us to love one another as you have loved us. Lord, may your will be done in these moments of invitation. And I just pray, Lord, that you'll speak to hearts. If there's someone here that's never trusted Christ as Savior, Lord, and you're leading them to make that decision, may they do that. And, Lord, other decisions, joining our church, um, repenting of some sin that is tripping us up and and causing us, Lord, to to not be the witness we should be. God, just help us, Lord, to to meet you at this altar and, and, Lord, allow you to do the work that you want us to do. And, Lord, again, may it give honor and glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen.